0: Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films, every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Following the widely praised 2016 decision to legalize cannabis in California, six courageous women emerged from the shadows to enter the new commercial industry as farmers, entrepreneurs, and activists, these modern day pioneers find their initial optimism is quickly replaced but with uncertainty and a fear as the new legislation favors deep-pocketed corporations. The film is called Ladybuds. I'm going to leave it there because there's a lot to talk about in this film, about this film. And uh, we're joined today by the director of the film, and that would be Chris Russo. Chris, welcome to Film School Radio.
1: Oh Mike, it's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me.
0: I through the years have gotten to know some people involved in this industry and it has always been a mom and pop operation and it has always been as I think a lot of people who grew up when I did were hoping it would be in the in regards to small mom and pop operations uh taking care of a, a market Uh, and with all of the best of intentions to to grow locally, to, you know, continue to feed into the economy of the of the community and such. And with the passage of the legalization law in in California, things are not as they would have appeared to have been. Uh, Before we get into all of that, what inspired you to do this particular film, this documentary film?
1: Well, as a person who's lived in California for 20 years now, when legalization was on the ballot in 2016, I, I knew California was under, going to undergo a shift in how you know, we thought about cannabis, how we talked about cannabis, the economy. So I started to research in the media Prop 64 and you know, how I was going to vote. And I stumbled upon a fact that said 36% of leadership roles in the cannabis industry are held by women. And I was like, wow, that is really interesting. And that seems like higher than any other industry. Now, I don't know how true that fact was, but it got me thinking and it got me going into women in cannabis conferences and networking mixers and cannabis farmers markets where I met a lot of amazing women. And I had no idea that women were honestly the backbone of this community, I was used to always thinking about cannabis and this culture as being a bro culture, you know, a stoner culture. And here were these amazing, smart, independent, confident, kick-ass women that were creating cannabis companies and cultivating and being activists in the space. And so I was kind of drawn to that and and to telling their stories. I didn't know what the story was going to be. You know, you're usually, you know, driven by your curiosity as a filmmaker to to learn and discover about that culture that community and what the story is. So we could have filmed for for years and years and years so we had to come up with a a framework that was the one year leading up to legalization in California and then the one year following in the lives of these women. And after interviewing, you know, 100 people I wanted to pick the most diverse voices I could to represent, you know, the tapestry of voices and issues that cannabis touch, touches. And that's kind of how it started. I mean, three or four years later, here I am. <laughs> well, it is fascinating. And you pick some great subjects or they picked
0: you or some, you know, whatever, whatever that process is, because I, I found it over the course of interviewing a lot of documentary filmmakers. It's like fate intervenes sometimes. That just You're in the right place at the right time. You meet someone and then you follow your instincts moving forward from that. And that's, I think, what distinguishes documentary filmmakers is the trust they have in their instincts. And um, these are not women that I thought well, many of the women we see in the film would not be somebody that you would pick out of a crowd saying, oh, I'm sure they're involved in the cannabis industry. Um, and uh, so that's it's a tr- it's just really a, a, a terrific character study as well as a very interesting story. So what was there a particular was there anything in particular in in how you sort of found these women and talk about that process a little bit.
1: Well, I interviewed over a hundred people and I wanted to cast, if you will, like very diverse voices that could um, tell different stories of cannabis. And also I wanted to choose women that you like, as you said, you wouldn't necessarily think they'd be working in the industry and in a kind of a little bit of a subversive way to normalize the plant and also be able to tell the story with universal themes, you know, like a, a mom raising children on a cannabis farm. How does that work? Um, a 72 year old grandmother who used to be a Catholic school principal wants to open a dispensary for senior citizens. I mean, that's pretty visionary. And so I, I love these different voices, you know, Felicia Carbajal in, um, in Los Angeles, being an activist who, you know, could tell the story of, about the queer intersection of cannabis history and AIDS activism. So it was very strategic, if you will. I mean, of course, like you said, your intuition and, you know, you're led by, you know, the energy of you know, the people you you interact with. But so it was, it, it was very, it was very thoughtful. You know, I wanted to pick, you know, a, a cultivator, an activist, entrepreneurs. And then, of course, the OGs, that we're gonna get squeezed out. The Bud Sisters bring some levity to the film, but they also represent that community yeah. that's been, you know, living in the shadows for decades. And what, what, what? How is legalization going to impact them? They each tell like a story that I think kind of touches on cannabis in a different way.
0: To that point, I, I think it's important. I mean, first of all,
1: that there are these diverse voices and
0: and people in the film. That's that's a, certainly an interesting part. It's also the expectations that this film addresses. I think for a lot of people who had been advocating for the legalization of marijuana forever, I mean, we're going back 20, 30, 40 years of people who were actively seeking to decriminalize first and then to legalize it. And the expectation that this was going to be kind of a gold rush, a golden era Mm. in terms of marijuana production, where the money would end up going to, and, and it would sort of be a continuum of that, what I described earlier as that mom and pop operation was going to finally see itself be able to come out of the shadows and make make money. I mean, they had had certainly put in the time and what your film does, what uh, Lady Buds does is essentially reframe that, that expectation. Mm -hmm. I think it's, I think it's wonderful in the sense that you give us a very, a fully formed look at where we are now and where the industry is going. And did any of that surprise you? Or is that something that you sort of had built into your expectations about this?
1: And that's a great question. Um, a lot of it surprised me at the beginning, there was so much optimism, even from the farmer. I mean, there was, you know, cautious optimism that, you know, they were going to be able to live out their lives out in the open, not, not hide from the law anymore. I mean, cannabis was quasi legal in the medicinal era of Prop 215, which legalized medical marijuana back in 1996. And a lot of them were operating under that, but they just wanted to, for example, Chia's family wanted to raise their kids up in the legal market. They were done with with being in the shadows. And even, you know, Karen Wagner, who's in the film, you know, she ended up at the beginning, was very optimistic, you know, bought like five, bought into five different licenses, was going to try the dispensary, cultivation, distribution, the whole thing. And then the others, but uh when the one acre cap was overturned um in the regulations that I mean, it was kind of shocking to me to see that happen, and it was disheartening to know that, you know, when you vote on a proposition overnight, the will of the people can be overturned. So, I mean, I think that caught a lot of people by surprise. So... It was surprising where it wasn't. I didn't know where it was gonna go it was gonna go. When we, we would go to film, say at the Board of Supervisors meeting when Karen was up uh, to get her dispensary going and it went the other way. We 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 thought we were gonna go out to celebrate after that. <laughs> we didn't know it was gonna go sideways. I mean, we we didn't see any of this coming. We didn't see the fires coming. We we didn't see all of the challenges that they had, you know. So in a way it makes for good drama, but it's also like yeah, I mean, I, we captured a, a, a historic moment. Right. The real, the, the real legalization story that no one's really telling. Everybody's super, you know, interested in the glitzy gold rush, um, green rush. You know, yeah, making well, millions off of, the pack of cannabis, and and that, that's really not the story. Well, yeah, let's sort of explain that because. I, I
0: wasn't even aware of it, to be honest with you, that there's a lot of this that it just sort of it slid under the radar for me. But what you described was this uh, in the original, the passage of was it Prop 64, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. 64. It was that there was going to be a period of transition for these OGs to come out and be able to do what they do in the open. But in the and the protection was, is that they weren't going to allow cultivation in more than a certain amount of territory. And you describe the, the one acre. Is that is that mm-hmm. the accurate right, the one acre parcel? So that would keep Philip Morris and, you know, and all the, those kind of people from moving in, because that's my expectation is either either anheuser right. Bush or Philip Morris is going to eventually move into this into this marketplace. That's a bit of a tangent. Right. I don't want to get off on that. But nonetheless,
1: big money would be prevented from that happening. Yeah, no, but that that's, explains it pretty pretty well. In Prop 64, there was a provision that said for five years, they wouldn't allow cultivation uh, to exceed one acre. Um, so that it would give five years for the smaller farmers to enter the market without it being monopolized right out of the gate. There was a meeting the night before, um with some of the farmers and the legislators and it was in the proposition and then the next morning that whole you know five acre cap was taken out so the regulators was there there
0: an explanation given was there any was it just because we can was that do you did you did you dive that far into
1: it if I recall I and don't quote me here um yeah, I can't really speak to it. I think okay. it was different committees, the regulations, and I don't want to speak. Yeah. Um, but but to your point of not going that far, that I have to make a decision. Was it going to be that kind of movie? <laughs> or was it going to be the intimate portrait of the women in their lives? It could have been this like undercover journalistic look at legalization and the regulators. And I was more interested in just kind of staying in that intimate sort of portraiture with the women to see how these changes were really going to affect these families. So it, it yeah. is, it was interesting for me to have to make that decision.
0: By the way, I remind our listeners are speaking with Chris Russo, the director of the documentary film called Lady Buds, just uh, premiered at, at Doc NYC. What was the uh, world premiere
1: or what was it at Doc NYC? So Doc NYC was our um, East Coast premiere. We okay. premiered at Hot Docs in April, May of this year, and then we had our U.S. premiere at Mill Valley, where we won an audience award, which is fantastic. And so Doc NYC was just last week. We've we've done some amazing festivals in the last three or four months, and and now we're moving into um, a theatrical release. There so you go. We- I was just going to
0: say it will be a theatrical release as well as VOD release. That's I believe what I'm yes, reading I, is November 26th. Where, where yes. theatrically, are you going to be in Los Angeles?
1: Uh, we'll be in, we're still figuring that out. Um, it's a it's a busy award season and a busy season in theaters because everybody's wanting to get out again. We're going to be in Los Angeles, San Francisco. I'm working to get into other markets like Denver, Seattle, and a few places on the East Coast. I don't know how, I don't have the list right now. But ladies- we'll also be video on demand. Yeah. Yeah, the day after Thanksgiving. Um, you can pre-order it on iTunes cur- currently. Yeah, stream it, you know, watching uh your Thanksgiving leftovers on the couch next there Friday. You know. What a great way to do it. <laughs> and
0: uh ladybudsmovie.com. So if people want to sort of find out a deeper dive and in on that site, you, you have the opportunity to kind of find find out all that you've got to, to the festivals that it has screened at and where it will be and there's plenty of information there and it has gotten a tremendous amount of accolades. It's been very well received. And um, so that's gotta be heartening. Films like this are, uh, I think are seen sort of, you know, niche kind of films. I think this is one, and you, you sort of brought it up and that is, you know, in order to tell a big story, it's often best to tell a small story, a smaller Mm -hmm. story. Right. And I think you've done that with, through the, through the eyes and the lives of these the women that aren't featured in the film.
1: First of all, I am thrilled about the reviews. I'm thrilled about the release. Uh, the reviews are telling me, and being in the audience uh, at these festivals, that the that the story is connecting with people. People are really emotional uh, after the film and during the Q and As, and the reviews have been fantastic.
0: Right.
1: Humanizing. these bigger concepts by these women trusting me to tell their personal stories and allowing me and inviting me into their homes. It's important to me as a filmmaker to create stories that people can connect to, which means, you know, the the themes are universal. While this seems like when you watch it, it's kind of an epic movie. I'm hoping that the personal intimate nature of um, the storytelling Uh, that audiences see themselves in these women, because at the end of the day, they're just trying to reach for their dreams. It's, it's kind of less about cannabis and more about, Hey, we want, we want to participate in, you know, the American dream. We want our own business. We, whatever their dreams are, these women are inspiring and I'm hoping to inspire audiences and women alike that um, they, they see that, you know, you can go for them against all odds and succeed.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The Bud sisters are fun. And just great people. I would love to hang around on their porch with them, you know, just feels like, I bet they were, I bet they were very much so. And, uh, and just everybody, Karen Wagner, you mentioned her, Felicia Carbajal, Sue Taylor, and Chia Rodriguez, her and her family and what they've been going through. It's all of it. I mean, again, if it's just, it happens to be about cannabis, but it also happens to be about life in early 21st century America. Where where people are in terms of making their way and fighting fighting the good fight.
1: Well, I mean, it also speaks to what's going on in our country right now with corporate capitalism kind of taking over our democracy. So, again, it just happens to be about cannabis, but this happened in the dairy industry. This happened in other agricultural industries. It happens in different industries. You know, we have to be resilient. We have to stand up. We have to mobilize as a community. You know, because if, if if legislation can get rewritten, you know, we need to be able to speak up and fight back. And um, this country really built on small businesses. And so I really feel like I'm hoping the takeaway from this film is to, to support your local farmers, support small businesses, support women entrepreneurs, because, you know, we're the people that care about our community, not not the big corporations that are coming in from other states to like take over you know, the cannabis industry in California. The people that really created the industry really care. Um, their regions are changing because they're leaving their farms and they're unable to continue because of the big corporations. So I think it's a cautionary tale that I hope really gets people to think about this on, on a larger scale and just look at our country, what's, ha- what's going on. It's kind of gone awry a little bit, so rein it in.
0: And just to follow on with that, and that is, You know, the pandemic put a lot of people in a very different space in terms of their relationship to their lives and to their families and to their workspace. And I don't know exactly what's happening. I think we're in kind of a formative part of the kind of the reorientation of American workforce and American workers. A lot of people aren't going back to work because they're they're not going to go back and not be paid enough money to make a living. We're seeing polling now where unions are polling as high as they ever have in terms of favorability, people are organizing, people are beginning to understand in a more than just a visceral way. Things are not going in the right direction. And and especially in regard to something as basic as making a living. And this, Mm -hmm. I think, this is, as you said, a cautionary tale. Who would have thought 20 or 30 or 40 years ago, that marijuana would be kind of one of those Industries that would essentially squeeze out the people that were cultivating marijuana. Who would have imagined that to be the case? But
1: well, who would have imagined John Boehner wanting to invest in cannabis when only a few years ago he was putting people in jail for cannabis crimes? Right. I mean, it's turned on head, if you yeah. ask me. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of justice, social justice that needs to be tended to. Yeah. And um we need to keep fighting for, you know, the harms that the war on drugs did to to communities of color, marginalized communities is, you know, and people are still in jail for that. So we still have a lot of work to do.
0: Well, I I want to thank you for the for the film Lady Buds. And I also want to let people know, again, then go to ladybudsmovie.com to find out about where it'll be screening, and how you can watch it one way or the other, either either in a theater, which I would encourage you to do if you're vaccinated in a safe place, but also if you want to watch it from the comfort of your own home and enjoy it, you should do so. It's, uh, again, ladybudsmovie.com. And it's it's available on VOD on the twenty sixth, as you said, the day after Thanksgiving. Appropriate, I believe, for that to be coming out. And um, also take to heart what this film is about. It's, you know, it's fun, but at the same time, I think there's an awful lot of things to be considered moving uh, as we we move forward. Chris Russo, thank you very much for your work and thank you so much for spending some time with us.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Mike. Thank you. Appreciate it.
0: You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films.